71st episode of the Young Terps Podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we have a packed one after what was one of the better games I think I've ever seen in Maryland Stadium yesterday, the 52-51 to loss to Ohio State. We got some basketball news to talk about and a full NCAA tournament non-rev rundown. But before we get into all that, Jordan, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located in Beltsville, Maryland, right next to College Park, and serving the entire DMV, Contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to kick things off, as always, men's soccer beat NC State in round of 32, 2 to nothing. Yeah, I had that game up on my laptop during the Redskins game today. Uh, let's just say the Maryland soccer game ended a lot better than the Redskins game. Well, that's not... That's not that hard to do today. They will either play Pacific or Duke, who are squaring off right now. Game that's going on right now. Duke has taken the lead in the 75th minute over Pacific. So, Maryland Duke um, couldn't ask for a better matchup. No, you couldn't. I just wish it was in College Park. As do I. Moving on on the non rev rundown, we have more NCAA tournament news. Field hockey in the final four beat Princeton one to nothing in overtime, and then lost to UNC again in the title game today, two to nothing. Great season from Missy and the girls, but falling short for the second straight season. Yeah, they lost to North Carolina again. I just, I respect North Carolina for the most part at institution besides their basketball stuff, but man. Their field hockey team's getting my nerves. Yeah, um, last year, of course, they had that great end-of-season run that ended in the championship game. This year, a complete year. I believe they finished the year 22-3, and dominated multiple ranked teams, but at the end, just couldn't get it done against an undefeated North Carolina team. Moving on to volleyball, and I have an interesting story about volleyball. They lost to Minnesota, who was number three in the country, 3-1 to one on Friday. And Bruce and I actually left the basketball game at halftime, walked across Xfinity Center to the pavilion to catch the volleyball game. And Jordan, to be honest, I said on the post game after, the volleyball game was more exciting. Just a great atmosphere. It was almost sold out all the way. But interesting, I left a men's basketball game to watch a volleyball game. Oh, I don't think I would have done that. But if you had fun, I guess that's all that matters. Okay, we're playing the Hofstra Pride. And even though the game was in doubt, um, it was just, they were beating the number three team in the country at the time, and I wanted to see it, so I got in, got a seat in the front row, very lucky because of how many people were there, but sat there and watched the volleyball game, got to talk with Todd, who now says that Maryland State has a really good chance at making the NCAA tournament, especially if they can pull out one of these two last games. They did lose to number seven, Wisconsin, on Saturday night, three sets to none, but for volleyball right now, it's shaping up to be a really good season in the first year of their new coach. Yep. 
those last two games are two tough ones, though. They're at Iowa and then at the number six Nebraska Cornhuskers. But, you know, maybe they can do that. Yeah, moving right along to women's basketball. They topped GW on Wednesday 69-30. to And then a game that a lot of Terps fans just witnessed on ESPN, Maryland beat number 10 South Carolina in Columbia 85-61. to They out-rebounded the Gamecocks 53-29. to In other women's basketball news, Shakira Austin was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Kayla Charles was named to the women's basketball Naismith watch list. And the Lady Tarps signed the number one recruiting class in all of women's basketball, according to ESPN, featuring four five-star players, including three, 50, and that is due to women's basketball's odd recruiting structuring. And it is headlined by a point guard from Woodbridge, from Woodbridge, Virginia, by the name of Ashley Owasu, who is the number five player in the country. Yeah, Brenda is reeling them in, and I'm excited to see these girls get to College Park. As am I. Uh, really quick, in other news before we get to football, Jalen Smith was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Maryland has hired, as I'm sure you all know, the Atlanta-based search firm Parker Executive Search to help find Maryland's next football coach. They were recently used to fill the UConn basketball vacancy, which seems to be working out, along with finding Oregon, Mississippi State, and UCF's next head coaches. Well, I yeah. like I like the resume. Uh, UConn has filled what seems to be a really nice coach in Hurley, Oregon, of course, they had Taggart, and now they hired their offensive coordinator, Mississippi State, with Joe Moorhead, the former Penn State OC, and UCF with Josh Heupel, who was a former Mississippi State offensive coordinator. Yeah, the Josh Heupel hiring actually really surprised me, but it has worked out very well as UCF, in my opinion, maybe actually be better than they were last year. I don't think so. Um, the defense just isn't there, Jordan. But hopefully, and you know what? Last year, I didn't hope they made the college football. This year, I mean, 23 straight wins. What more can they do? And, I mean, they they just deserve to play in the college football playoff. But I digress to Kasim Hill, who officially tore his ACL, now has one tear in both knees. Um, it's going to be another long road to recovery for Kasim, but hopefully he can make it back. Well, in my we can get – we're going to talk about this at length later. In my opinion, though, Piggy has outperformed Kasim in the games he's played. I would agree. But, it, it it has a lot of us questioning why Piggy didn't get his chance earlier. Um, in other football news, Maryland has lost two football recruits, wide receiver Amari and Brown and running back to Sean Ward, both those guys from the Tampa area. And in an early National Signing Day period for men's basketball, the Terps signed the Mitchell twins, Makai and Mikel, as well as the Philly native Donta Scott making the Terps the 23rd-ranked class in the nation, second in the Big Ten to only Ohio State. That's a good segue, but I want to back up to football recruiting again. I think we have a cost for uncertain now. I was pushing it off in my mind until this happened, but now I think we're in trouble. I thought we were in trouble in um, a, a little bit before. I mean, it, they had to get something going late in this early signing cycle, and they didn't. And now, yeah, you're right. They are in trouble. The last class in the Big Ten, by the way, we are now under Rutgers. That's never a good sign. But basketball recruiting, it's pretty good. So, it balances out, I guess. Eh, not, not, 
Not totally, especially after the two classes that football signed in the past two years, both of those being top 30. Saw some of that talent on display on Saturday. Yep, and I guess it's time to talk about what was almost one of the biggest wins in Maryland history. I don't know if it was that, but it would have been close. The 52-51 to loss to Ohio State. So there, there was a lot to get to, given that there was, what was that, 103 points in this game. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and start with overall thoughts. Thoughts watching this game where we did not look outclassed. We really didn't, in my opinion. The offensive line really struggled in some plays, and Piggy was running for his life when we dropped back a lot. But overall, we played really well. And Anthony McFarlane, of course, was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much – I don't really know what to say. Uh, I've had some time to think about this game, and um, it's just – it was really unfortunate the last play. I got a chance and I shot some great videos that uh, of the last play and of the um, Daryl Jones touchdown, probably the best video that I've ever taken in my life because it came right at me and saw Damon Evans cheering in the background. So I watched most of the game from the press box, and that's up there. It gives you that kind of sky view of everything that's going on. And what you could see was that Ohio State and their fans were concerned about their rush defense against Maryland were just they weren't setting the edge and really Anthony McFarland, who had a play where he reached the top speed of twenty one point six miles per hour, really took advantage of that. You could see Maryland executing at a level that they hadn't done all year to this point. Um they really looked and as you already touched on, they really looked like a top tier team, a team that was there to compete and knew what was going on. They took the fact that everyone, including you and I, had kind of written them off to get to bowl eligibility, and they used that, and they had a lot of fire, and they played with passion, and where was this team all year? Because these did not seem to be the same guys that you saw against Temple, Indiana. I mean, they were just playing with a different level in this game. That really is true, and I think... I think a lot of it goes back to the quarterback play. And I'm not going to say that Piggy was perfect because by no means was he. He was, as Wayne put it in the postgame, he looked like he was on banana peels a lot of the time. He didn't have the same burst that he used to. His throws weren't always perfect. But he played with a lot of intensity and fire. And I felt like we never saw that from Kasim. And I don't know how much of that really affects well, the rest of the team. Let me, let me jump in front of what you just said. Kasim plays with passion. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'll, I will agree with that. I'll back up a little bit on that. But I just don't see the same amount of intensity in every play that I do from Piggy. I don't know why it looks different to me. But it just seems like the guys respond differently to him than they do Kasim. I think, and I'm not going to put this on, I really do not think and believe that you can put this all in one guy. Now, the quarterback's a really important position, but they just, everyone showed up. Everyone was there, and there were some bad plays by guys like Rayvon Davis and as Trey Watson put it. Every guy in there could look back at this game and say, man, if I just did that different, everything would have changed, and if I made that one play, you know, we would be winning 
or beating a top 10 team. This game, in so many ways, I mean, it's what we asked for. I am disappointed in the way it worked out, but it is what we asked for. Every Maryland fan wanted to compete against the top 10 team, wanted to have that chance to win against a top 10 team and not get beat by 63 points on our own field. And we got that. I'll be the first to say that I'm disappointed in the result, but when you look back on it and you look at the perspective, this team and the way that Coach Durkin and the recruiting and position them to be here, back-to-back top recruiting classes, and it finally looked like it. It finally looked that we were in the third year of a regime that started from near nothing that can compete against a big team, and I'm proud to say that I support Maryland because a lot of the times after these games I've been like, why do I even root for this team? Well, yesterday finally gave me a reason, kind of validated why I've sat through all these losses, why I've experienced so much time of just like full shame that I even root for Maryland football, and yesterday it kind of felt like Maryland's finally on the right track to doing something. And that was one of the more interesting feelings we had to deal with as Maryland fans after the game was we wanted – like you said, we just wanted to compete in these games, and we really, really did compete. But also, we were six inches from winning that game. And I don't know how many of you guys have been reading the sports blogs around nationally, but everybody is just saying, like, we, they were so close to winning that game. Like, no one can believe that we were that close to being Ohio State and just missed on such a stupid-seeming throw that just missed by a little bit. And I don't... Yes? Continue. Uh, I don't know whose fault that really was. It seemed like, to me, that Jayshon Jones sort of slid into the open spot there, but I'm not... I wasn't on the field. I'm not going to blame anybody. But I'm proud of how we competed, and I'm proud of how we played today. And we can address the flaws in a minute, but I'm just here to say that I think we should all be proud that the team went out there and competed the way they did. Yeah, I was on the field for the Jayshon Jones play uh, right next to the Maryland sideline. It was a matter, and I believe Torrey Smith said this on his Twitter after the game, they just weren't on the same page. It was a choice combo route of where Jayshon Jones can either roll to the empty space. It's kind of if, for all you Madden players, you know what I'm talking about, where you get the, um, the solid route and then the dotted lines on either side of that route. And it was one of those plays, and Jayshon Jones told, stuck with the main part of the route, which was to go and make contact, eye contact with the quarterback, and then float with him. And Piggy misread the play, and Jayshon Jones might have made a mistake too. It was a double mistake play. Piggy threw the ball to the open space, which was to the uh, left of Jayshon Jones, and Jayshon Jones stuck and sat down right in the middle of the route. So who's that on? I don't know if... Anybody will really know. I don't know if Maryland will ever be able to find that out, but that's what the play seemingly was. Well, I'm proud of how he played, and I guess let's go in position by position. How do we evaluate the quarterback in this game, Mason? Well, he didn't have to do much to start with. Um, Six for 13, 181 yards, a touchdown. 52 of those yards came on the one throw, which was a bomb, an absolute throw that I don't think we've seen out of a Maryland quarterback this whole year to Demas, and um, other than that, I really hate to say it, but he had to make one play, 
and he missed the throw. Or, you know what? No, I'm not going to say miss the throw, given what I just said. There was a miscommunication. Um, the He made two plays, two huge plays they need to make to put Maryland in the position to win. One was the throw to Daryl Jones. The other one, as I already mentioned, was the one to Demas. So when they asked him to make plays, he made the plays. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that Demas throw, I watched ESPN had like 10 replays of that, for those of you who watch at home with me. That throw was absolutely perfect. I was stunned that he made that play. I don't know about you, Mason, but I really didn't think he could make an NFL level picture perfect throw deep that like that. I'll say that I have seen it in practice, but not like, and I guess we can all say this, not consistently. Um, Piggy has a cannon, and sometimes I feel like he he gets a little bit out of um when he needs to throw the ball more like Kasim with a lot of touch and get the ball to the wide receiver, which would have been the last play. But instead, he throws the ball with a lot of power and fires it in there like a fastball. Well, I'm going to agree with you in that he made the plays they asked him to make except for the one, and he didn't make any interceptions. I think it's also really important to point out. He didn't make a lot of mistakes either. So I'll give him like a C, C plus for this game. Uh, I think it was good almost. It was so close to being good enough, but it was still – Good. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, to the Maryland rushing attack, of course, Anthony McFarland, 21 carries for 298 yards, falling just short of Lamont Jordan's record. He also scored two touchdowns on runs that were just, I mean, with speed and following the blocks, just perfect vision from Anthony McFarland. Um, he made the plays. He single, I'm not going to say single-handedly because of the way the offensive line was able to run block, but he put Maryland in position to win the game. Yeah, he did. He was phenomenal. He, of course, fumbled on the last play of the, or um, not the last play, but the last drive for the Terps, and Shigo Conco picked it up. But other than that, he was perfect. And I really wish he got the record. I was rooting for him, too. Yeah, it um, seems Mason. like um, some similar games right there when Lamont Jordan has that record and then when Anthony McFarland just got close to breaking it. Pretty similar situations. Mason, I know you want Ant, Ant- Mac to have the last the two-point conversion attempt. I don't agree, but I do think he was absolutely – that was the best single performance we've seen for anybody this season. Oh, by far. Um, other running backs, Tayon Fleet Davis took the ball seven times for 37 yards. And a touchdown, Javon Leak had the ball six times for 30 yards and, of course, found the end zone one of those times. Yes, he did. Um, before we move to the receiving core, the offensive line was great in run protection and may have Swiss cheese in pass protection. And I don't know where the disconnect happened there. Neither do I, but it seemed like that almost all year. I don't know. If you're an NFL draft scout, and I know they don't give interviews or really talk much, I would love to ask them how you grade one of these Maryland offensive linemen. Because you're right, they push people around the run game, they're fantastic at that, and then when it comes to pass, there's just there's just something wrong, a miscommunication, but it does not last more than those uh, three seconds that are required at almost the shortest. No, there was... I have it written down somewhere in these notes here, but there was a sequence where 
Oh, here it is. In the second quarter, around the 10-minute mark, we, there were three straight bad O-line plays that backed the Terps way up and resulted in Joseph Petrino missing that field goal, which ended up being big, obviously. But I know they played so well in the run, but they almost also lost the game in pass protection. So it's a really, again, it's a really, really hard to grade them, and I don't know. I'm not going to even try, but that was a real Jekyll and Hyde act from the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the receivers, of course, they made big plays. Demas, we've already talked about his catch. Daryl Jones made a fantastic play that landed the Terps on the one. Tavon Jacobs from Wade Lees might have been my favorite play of the game. <laughs> and let's just talk about that one for a second. Maryland right there, they weren't moving the ball particularly well. They knew they needed to make something happen. You, The way the defense ended up playing in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, you knew that you were going to have to score to win. Um, I'll give Bruce props right here. He said, Maryland, you just got to keep scoring. You're not going to win this game with 28 points. You're not going to win this game with 30 points. And as the game moved um, on and on and on, he said, you know, eventually he said, and I believe it was in the second quarter, you're going to have to score 50 to win the game. Well, they need 53, but 50 is close. Um, but that play, you need to make something happen, and it was a great design because they knew Ohio State got close to blocking some, and they knew they were coming. Yeah, that was a really gutsy play call by Matt Canada, and I really respect that he made it. On the defensive side, rush defense, it was It just wasn't there. No, J.K. Dobbins had the ball 37 times in this game for 203 yards and a touchdown. Dwayne Haskins also ran the ball 15 times for 59 yards and three scores. You know, they did make big plays on the fourth down, and they, they, they stopped him. It was just ground and pound Ohio State football that really did a great job of keeping the attack balanced. Yeah, it was um, it was a pretty well-called game from the Ohio State sideline. I'd actually say they probably outplay-called us, even though it was a really close game. The receiving end, I don't like singling guys out, but man, Rayvon Davis had a really tough day. Yeah, other than his pick six, Rayvon Davis struggled the whole game. Uh, Lamont Jordan was getting um, pretty heated talking about it on the radio. I mean, where's the backup? Take yeah. the guy out of the game. And it's not that he was getting burned. What really got to me, and I'm sure it got to you too, Jordan, was the unsportsmanlike conduct when the game was near on the line. That was very frustrating. His coverage was... I, I know Anthony McFarland had the best game of the year, Rayon Davis may have had the worst performance of the year for any Terp, given the circumstances. He also, on the last drive, gave up the big ball and then gave a touchdown the next play. He, it's weird. I actually think he's been playing pretty well this season, but he just, he, I think he turned in the worst performance of any Terp this year. I feel bad for him. I really do because he's been playing pretty well. Yeah, on a senior day, too. But... He just fell apart out there. You had to take him out. You really, if there's yeah, anything. I agree. That, and uh, you know, when a game gets like this, 52-51, to 51, obviously on defense, it's not the ideal performance. But, jeez, just, you got to take him out of the game. You just have to. 
maybe they don't want to pull him out in senior day. And if that's the case, then I, I guess I get it. But also, this was way too big a game to think like that. I, I don't know what to tell you about that one. Um, the defense as a whole, I feel like they tried really hard. I will say that. But they didn't, couldn't get pressure on Dwayne Haskins. They couldn't stop the run. And they were okay in pass coverage, actually, minus Rayvon Davis. What, but, what, hold on. He was 28 for 38 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And I would guesstimate that Rayvon Davis gave up at least 150 of those by himself. But it's a team. It That's is what a Matt team. Canada says he loves about football. It takes 52 guys to win games. I mean, and... it's a team. So, and as Big Ten people, we really don't have to judge many 52 to 51 games. Um, kind of uh, asking for a Big 12 expert to come in and tell us uh, what to think about this. Because as far as the defense, they made plays. They they did. They forced a fumble on the one-yard line. That was quite possibly, if Maryland won, I would have said it was the biggest play of the game. Uh, they made the pick six. They make things happen. That's what they've done all year. They put the offense in positions to win. And yet again today... There are a few plays you can just say, man, if we just got three points there, like uh, at the beginning of the game, when Maryland did the short kickoff that Ohio State wasn't prepared for and recovered it, and then Jay Sean Jones fumbled the ball. At the end of the game, you can point to when Piggy went out of bounds or when Matt Canada uh, called timeout on the two-yard line, or when Piggy took the sack. It's just, it's a game of inches, and we really and you really see that when you lose by one point. And man, I just really wish we were talking about Maryland winning and going to a bowl and beating a top ten team and putting that win on their on their body of work over this um, for these group of guys. Uh, looking ahead to the future, Wade Lee's uh, celebrate his senior day, even though he has one more year of eligibility left. Uh, Byron Coward also did the same. So those two guys look like they are moving on from the program. We we well before we move on from the game, we have to talk about special teams because the kickoff game was it was weird. Uh, it was it was using the rules to your advantage, kicking it to an up back now that they can fair catch it, and of course that puts the ball on the twenty five yard line in college. And then the last kickoff when the return man pretty much finally got his shot, he made a play to put Ohio State in um, striking distance to then tie the game and send it to overtime. Well, there was the sort of kind of onside kick on the first kickoff of the game when Joseph Petrino kind of kicked it to the 30-something yard line and Dante Dimas recovered the kick. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but that was – I really thought we were going to win the game there, and then Jason Jones fumbled the next play. So, it didn't really matter in the end, but for a minute there, I was sure we were going to win. For a lot of the game, I was sure that we were going to win. Really, until the game got to overtime is when it first crossed my mind that Maryland's probably not going to win this game. Of course, there was a doubt. You know, it's Ohio State. It's Maryland. Probably the result's going to be that the Buckeyes take it. But till that, that last play, and, you know, everyone talks about how close it was and how wide open Jay Sean Jones happened to be, it really seemed that Maryland was going to win the game. I don't know if you had a similar 
thought about that, but it's still it's still hard for me to realize that Maryland did not win this game because it just seemed like for the longest time that they were going to. I wanted to win this game maybe more than I wanted to win a game this season. But I also – there would have been so much good if we won this game. We would have we would have given this whole season some validity after all the crap we've gone through. We prob- probably would have given Matt Canada the head coaching job, if we're honest. It might have gotten Urban Meyer fired, and it would have kicked Ohio State out of the playoffs. Like, we could have done, in my opinion, a lot of things I want to happen from this game. And it really does suck that we lost, but I'm – it's weird because you know I'm a very negative Maryland fan, at least when it comes to football. But I'm just – I'm really just happy we competed. And maybe that's not expecting enough from us. And, yeah, I really wish we won the game. But I'm really honestly just happy we finally went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And we really almost beat them. We were inches from beating them. We got some of the best Urban Meyer reactions I've ever seen. I'm sure you guys have seen those online. If you have it, you really need to look them up. And I'm just happy that it happened. It's a very unlike me way to look at it, but that's where I'm at. Hey, you're missing one of those things. The other thing, and this will will end. I mean, I just I really wanted this to happen. Was BTN Journey? I'm not sure if you've seen it, Jordan. It's a great show on basketball and football in the Big Ten. I have seen it. I don't watch it, but I have seen it. Yeah. Well, they were there to document Dwayne Haskins coming home. To play in the state of Maryland. I did not know that. Now I really wish we won too. <laughs> I dislike Dwayne Haskins so much after watching that game yesterday. I mean, I just... I know that he probably made the right decision for him. And I know that at this point, after watching that game, even though you know we threw the ball for however many yards, you can tell that Dwayne Haskins is no Heisman quarterback. No. I mean, but if you, he came to hold Maryland... On Mason, hold on. You didn't see it from on TV, though. Because they were showing his parents, like, every two minutes and talking about how big a deal it was they was playing, like, 20 minutes from where we went to high school. Like, it was really irritating. It, it really sucked. Okay, really quick while I'm ranting. How do you get from Bullis on Potomac to College Park in 20 minutes? I was, I was, real, I was pissing me off more than anything else. It's like, that's not... That is not factual. That's a 30-minute drive, at least... You guys do not know what you're talking about, but continue. I mean, and then he's taunting the crowd at the end of the game. Like, go home, man. You made a commitment. You were tweeting when Maryland was losing about how you're going to save this program. Like, get back on your bus to your $100 million program that would win with you, and they would win with Tate Martell. And get out. Like, you, you were talking about how you were, like, the savior of Maryland, going to come back and, you know, make his hometown team win. Like, just, I really just, I, I just, I can't. Well, also on the Dwayne Haskins front, that's probably the last time we're ever going to see him because um, according to Bleacher Report, they think he's going pro or their sources think he's going pro. So he may be declaring for the draft um, this spring, which means that the Redskins may pick him. <laughs> that would be insufferable. Yeah, I doubt that that will happen. I mean, I don't know, like, if you're an NFL team, you see how much like a quarterback gets moved, and then you watch this guy when he gets pushed, pushed out of the pocket. I, I really don't know how, if I was an NFL guy, I would really end up selecting Dwayne Haskins to be a guy in that I assume he's going to be a high pick, too, so to put my franchise on, not not really what I would do, despite 
my um, preconceived opinions of the man. All right. Well, we're running out of time here. Mason, want to get to basketball real quick? Something more po- positive. But before we get to basketball, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes and models. Always friendly, courteous, honest, along with being an extra clean shop, Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they are always the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831. And tell them the Young Terps sent you a win over Hofstra on Friday night. As I already said, I left that game at halftime to watch volleyball. Still surprising myself, along with Jordan, that I did that. And then today, finally something positive happened for my sports teams this weekend. Maryland beat the always dangerous, the Mount. Mount St. Mary's, yeah. We had um, a couple of really good performances from Bruno Fernando here including a perfect 8-for-8 performance from the field against Hofstra with 17 points, and then a 10-for-12 performance with 7 rebounds and 21 points against the Mount. He's really starting to come into his own this season. Yeah. Um, Bruno, as Turgeon said, he wouldn't be surprised if Bruno's the most improved big man in the country. I mean, I really like, and I know this sounds... Like, it's almost like a joke, but I really like that when the when he dunks the ball now, he puts the ball into the basket. He doesn't slam it and misses the dunk. He puts the ball in the basket, and we move on. It's an electric play, but it doesn't have to be the greatest dunk that you've ever seen with the hardest, uh, I don't even know what to call it, throw down of the ball into the cylinder. Um, today, he scored 21 points. Jalen Smith also dominated with 16 And what I've started to notice is that Maryland has to. You have to keep going down low because this team plays down low. I think we've both noticed that at this point. It's not a great three-point shooting team. It's not going to blow your socks off with uh, jump shots, but you've got to just pound the ball down low, make teams collect fouls, especially teams like a Hofstra, Delaware, that don't have that many big men. Pound them inside, get them fouls, and move on. Play the inside-out game and continue to do it because I've noticed more and more by watching this team, they go inside for a few minutes, they score some points, they get rhythm going, and then they stop doing it. Yes, I've noticed that as well. And I've also noticed that we seem to be limited to one or two good three-point shooters in night. So against Hofstra, it was Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayla both knocked in three-pointers. Three and then today... It was Cyril Smith who finally, you know, played like a basketball player. Went three for six from deep. Aaron Wiggins again went two for four. But other than that, it seems like no one else can shoot. And this is concerning me because, yeah, we can win most of our games by grinding it out. We have two elite big men. But I'd still like to be able to, you know, get points in bunches occasionally. So two wins over teams that really – um. I don't know. Hofstra gave us a run for our money. I'll give it that. They had some... I mean, Delaware and Hofstra both had one player that just plays amazing against Maryland. Um, 
But, yeah, as you expect, you know, these mid-major teams, they can get to you. And we got one that got to West Virginia last year in the tournament coming up. Well, the next five games for the Terps are all games we could lose. I want to make that very clear. So Marshall, we play on Friday, Black Friday, which Mason and I will – I don't know if we're going to be able to see that game, actually. We're going to be in Canada. We'll see. Um, we then play Virginia, who's really good. Then we play Penn State, Purdue, and then Loyola, Chicago. We could lose all of those games. That's not out of our possibility. Yeah, you get that um, the trying stretch coming up. What You're going to figure out pretty quickly, and I'm not a big fan of figuring it out quickly with all these freshmen – who this team is, what this team can do. Now, I'm starting to have a feeling the more and more I see that this team might not be the team that you want to have that many challenging games in a row this early. No, we have a lot of issues that need to be ironed out. So we have a lot of freshmen that are still trying to figure it out. Really the only con- constant contributing freshman we've had so far is Jalen Smith. Wiggins and Ayala both show a lot of promise, but they whoa, both whoa. need more time. Oh, I'll stop you right there. Eric Ayala is the straw that stirs the drink, as Bruce and Wayne like to put it. He <laughs> needs to be out there. And a really quick correction, Marshall actually beat Wichita State last year in the tournament and then lost to West Virginia. But Eric Ayala needs to play. He is a basketball player. I really like watching Eric Ayala play because he's just – he's a tough guy. And Morcel and Ayala are your tough guys, tough guards. They really play defense. Aaron Wiggins seems to be like the guy that can shoot, so we'll see, and we'll see it first. I have a feeling on Friday against Marshall, they'll really be tested, and then against Virginia, you got to shoot the three to beat Virginia. you got to score when you have your opportunity, so we're really going to get to see a lot about this team in these next two games, and then, as you already mentioned, the schedule doesn't get any easier from there on. Well, it will eventually, but we have to run the gauntlet. Oh, never mind, it really doesn't. Um... I just looked ahead on the schedule. After Lola Chicago, we play Lola Maryland, which would be pretty easy. But then we play Seton Hall, and we play Radford, and then it's Big Ten season. So we're actually almost out of cupcakes. Yeah, and we will, of course, update that on this Wednesday. Maryland has what, and even you can't say this anymore, a very winnable game in Happy Valley on Saturday. We'll talk about that on Wednesday before in our Thanksgiving Megapod. Came up with a good name for it right there, Jordan. I don't know what's been mega about it, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. But yeah, just um, tough loss yesterday. Proud of the way Maryland football played. And basketball season might be quickly approaching because who knows what's going to happen on Saturday. That's going to do it for this podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates in Rockville. If you're looking to have your website redone, Viner Four Gates is a place to go. You can reach them. At 301-251-2900, that's Viner Fourgates. At 301-251-2900, MD Euro Cars. Jordan, as you know, I am one to always look at the reviews of the product I am buying. And MD Euro Cars has five stars on Yelp, Google Reviews. They are a top-rated place to get your European car serviced. Audis, BMWs. Mercedes, they do it all at Maryland Eurocars. You can reach them at 301-217-5831. And make sure to tell them that the Young Terps sent you an Allied Party Rentals. If you're looking to have anything from a small gathering to a huge one, Allied Party Rentals has all the things you need to have the perfect parties, everything 
from sound systems to a floor if you need a floor to chairs they got it all and that's ally party rentals you can visit them at allypartyrentals.com jordan anything else to add well i i keep saying this but now it really is do or die time for football and i really hope we win but i'm not optimistic but you know what they proved me wrong last week by competing, and I really hope they prove me wrong again. So do I. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk more about the Maryland-Penn State game. It's do or die time, 5-6. and six. Need this win to get to a bowl. Until then, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Intern Mason and Jordan at Jordan Viner. And as always, thanks for listening.